Welcome to MH Business Exchange, the podcast of McDonald Hopkins. I'm your host, Mike Witzke, and with me today is Mike Riley. Mike is a member in our tax and benefits group, and Mike, welcome. Thank you very much, Mike. So today we're going to be talking about the SECURE Act, and, and I know, Mike, you and I have been talking about the SECURE Act now for uh, almost a month, if not longer. But, mm-hmm. you know, I know that one of the things that, in, in the way that it affects us, as you know, certainly with our estate planning hats on, is that part of the SECURE Act has kind of killed the stretch IRA. Um, and I guess for me, that, that raises two questions. And, and first is, can you define for everybody what is or was a stretch IRA? Uh, and then I guess the second part of that is, is it now dead with the SECURE Act? All right, Mike, thanks. Those are both good questions. The first one is going to require kind of a long answer. Let me start this way. A stretch IRA, that's just a shorthand description uh, that refers really to a lot of law and regulations that have been around for decades that allow beneficiaries of retirement participants So the retirement participant dies and has named a beneficiary. Those beneficiaries have been able to continue taking the retirement benefits out over many years rather than all at once upon the death of the participant. So that's the stretch where they can take it out over, it depends on a number of factors, but it could be 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that these beneficiaries continue to draw benefits. So that's the stretch IRA concept, and there have been a lot of, uh, as I say, laws and regulations that create that opportunity. We've done a lot of planning with a lot of clients all of these years with that in mind that there's a this benefit that can be structured into the estate plan. Now, that's a huge benefit to the beneficiaries because of tax deferral. Keep in mind that retirement plans uh, are not like most assets that end up in in a state or many assets because retirement plans, still someone still has to pay the income tax on that money. There's no step up. Some people understand that the step up that they get on other assets. But if your beneficiaries take money out of an IRA you left for them, they pay the income tax when that money comes out. If they're able, and so if it all came on in one year, that would be a very large tax bill. Uh, but again, if they're able to stretch it out over many years, then they're, they might be in lower tax brackets. More importantly, the balance that is still in the plan is growing and you're not paying tax each year on the earnings, interest, dividends in those investments it really becomes uh, a valuable asset long-term. And so it's significant that it's changed. Now, um, we'll we'll get down to some more practical points, but it's interesting that the stretch IRA really runs counter to most of the tax policy for the last 50 years around retirement plans because Congress has allowed these retirement, these tax incentives for retirement plans to bolster the private retirement system so that people wouldn't 
just have Social Security uh, in their checking account when it comes time to retire, that they would have these other programs, generally from employers, but some individuals, um, who can make these tax-deferred, tax-preferred savings uh, and have something else at retirement time. And so they grant this deduction going in and this tax deferral during your working years. But then the idea and the whole uh, set of rules around required distributions is when you're ready to retire, you need to take that money out and pay the tax. So the government actually get finally gets its tax dollars uh, that it's been waiting all of your working years to collect. And so you're forced to take these required distributions in retirement. The idea that your beneficiaries could keep that around for, and I'm not kidding when I say 40, 50 years, if they're you know children at the time they inherit, uh, that idea is contrary to this whole idea that the, the tax benefits are to support a retirement system. You know, those beneficiaries weren't the working people who save for retirement. They're not using it for retirement. They might be young people using it for supplemental income. So, Mike, I'm getting to your second question. Uh, <laughs> is it dead? Uh, did they kill the stretch? And the short answer is no, not really, kind of only halfway. But it is a significant change because the, the SECURE Act came along and said that in many cases, the maximum payout period is going to be 10 years. Um, many cases think adult children, who are typically and very often going to be beneficiaries, um, adult children and grandchildren, if you were to name grandchildren directly, those groups of beneficiaries, if they've been named now under the SECURE Act, which is effective, by the way, January 1 of this month, this year, um, they are going to be subject to what's called the 10-year rule. And we'll, we'll talk some more about that. But that's, um, you know, 10 years is a lot faster than 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And so all of the benefits need to be distributed within that 10-year period and taxed. So, you know, it if you think about it, it could have been a lot worse. Uh, Congress could have said, we need some some money to pay for all these other tax incentives that we just gave away with the SECURE Act, because it, it generally was trying to encourage more retirement savings. So they did give other tax incentives. And in order to pay for those, they said, we're going to shorten up the stretch, which means we're going to finally collect or we're going to collect more quickly on the dollars that are being paid out to beneficiaries, hence the 10-year rule in a lot of cases. They could have said, you know, at death, if you have a retirement plan in your estate, it should all just be paid out to, you know, at death, no matter who is the beneficiary, and then they would collect a lot of money. As it is, they're, they're projecting this is worth $16 billion to the Treasury, but it's over 10 years. Uh, but the other giveaways that they made in the SECURE Act to fund the other incentives are estimated to be, uh, you know, about the same amount, $16, $17 billion. So this is paying for that. Um, and interestingly, by the way, this is a little off topic, but they all, the SECURE Act also changed uh, the required beginning date from 
basically 70 and a half to 72. Um, it's still, for those in the know, April 1st year following the year in which you attain this age, but uh, it's bumped up to 72. So you've got at least one or two more years where you're not required to take these distributions. That is, if you turn 70 and a half after January 1, 2020, um, this rule applies. So uh, that's projected to cost like almost $9 billion, uh, about half of the giveaway in the SECURE Act. Uh, so they have shortened it up, uh, the stretch for some big groups of beneficiaries, but it's not dead. Does that answer your question, Mike? It, it does. So it, it, although such a IRA may not be dead, it's severely hobbled. <laughs> yes, <laughs> so, agreed. And, and we talk about stretch IRA. I mean, do, do these, these rules only apply to IRAs? What about the 401k, the 403b, the, you know, all the other yeah, you know, you, qualified retirement plans that might be out there? Yeah, good. You just uh, kind of answered the question, which is, yeah, it's not just limited to IRAs. Again, that's just a tagline, stretch IRA. Um, it does apply to any account balance plan, a tax-qualified account balance plan, which includes all the ones you just mentioned, 401k plans, profit-sharing plans, money purchase pension plans, 403bs, um, pretty much everything, but not the defined benefit plan uh, arrangements. And there's still plenty of those around, but uh, most people are looking at these defined contribution or account balance plans and these minimum required distribution rules and and the new payout rules for beneficiaries apply to all of those. And so the, this 10-year rule, um, does that apply to all beneficiaries? No, so that, that, that's where I said it's, it's not all dead. Um, it's, uh, there, there's a new classification of beneficiaries called eligible uh, designated beneficiaries um, as distinct from purely designated beneficiaries. Um, and, and so there's really th sort of three categories we're going to be looking at with planning now, by the way, where you have no designated beneficiary, then there are designated beneficiaries, and now there are eligible designated beneficiaries. So the eligible designated beneficiaries are still able to use the life expectancy payout method um, that was in place you know, for all of these years, it's unchanged. And that group includes spouses, not surprisingly, surviving spouses, um, minor children of the participant. So it's not just minor children, it has to be your minor children, which you know, in all likelihood means the participant died fairly young. Um, the third group of eligible uh, designated beneficiaries uh, are individuals who are not more than 10 years younger than you. So there, you know, they may be going for siblings or significant others, um, but those are also people who could still stretch. Uh, and then there's disabled, uh, also chronically ill. So those last two categories, you, you really don't want to qualify for the stretch by by qualifying in those categories. But that is out there, and it, it could be some important planning opportunity for disabled people and people with chronic illness. 
Um, and there won't be any um, real nuance to that. Though you have to be pretty disabled and pretty ill to to meet those definitions. But going back to the, the more typical eligible designated beneficiaries, you've got again spouses, people not more than ten years younger, um, and then minor children. Those people can continue to utilize the stretch, and I think of it, Mike, you know about the generation skipping tax. Uh, it's kind of an analogy to that. It seems that they're saying we'll allow the stretch to go on uh, among your generation and, or the kids while you are in that generation. But if you're looking down to the next generation, your children, once they're adults, or certainly grandchildren, um, no additional stretch there. They're going to be subject to the 10-year rule. So, uh, yeah, I, I know that under the old rules, you know, that the stretch was determined by, you know, the life expectancy of the beneficiary. Um, how are the required distributions calculated now to these beneficiaries who would be subject to that 10-year rule? Uh, good question. It, it's like the old five-year rule, if you knew that, but essentially um, it, the, the rule is that by the year which contains the 10th anniversary of death, you have to have distributed the entire amount of that account. Um, so that gives you a lot of flexibility. It, it still limits you to the 10 years, or if you think about it, it's going to actually be 11 tax years because it's the year that contains the 10th anniversary of death. So there's the year of death, and then you've got that last year. So there's 11 years where you're going to pick up, potentially pick up the tax on these benefits. Um, but there's a lot of flexibility in, in that you're not required to take any certain amount in you know years one, two, three, four, and five, uh, and so forth. There's no annual required distribution. The rule is you got to get it all out by the end of that tenth anniversary by that tenth anniversary year. So um, that means you could leave it all there untouched for ten years, and then just make sure you get it out at the end because it's still the case, by the way, that if you don't get out enough, there's a steep penalty, like half of what you're supposed to get out uh, is, they could assess that, the government could assess that as a penalty. Um, that's another topic, but make sure you get it out in time. But you could wait the 10 years and then take it out. Many people will use that, of course, to do annual planning and say, you know, gee, this year I had less income, I could take out more maybe of my inherited benefit and keep it at a manageable tax rate. So there'll be planning done year to year um, for those people, the 10 year beneficiaries. They'll just have to make sure that they're, they're going to get it all out. That's the rule. Now, whether the participant had died before or after attaining their required beginning date. So the, the old five year rule only applied if somebody died before 70 and a half or their required beginning date. This is the rule, regardless of how old that, that beneficiary was. And the new required beginning date being 72, we could use that as the reference point. But it, um, the 10 years will apply if you're not an eligible designated beneficiary, whether or not the participant had attained that age. So if you are an eligible designated beneficiary, how are 
the required distributions calculated for those those folks? That sounds like such a simple question, Mike. Um, and and let me give it a, a relatively simple answer. Uh, but that does involve all of those years of regulations and, and laws and all the planning around that. It Again, there are many variables that go into it, but the basic concept is if you are an eligible designated beneficiary and you inherit a qualified retirement benefit, whether it's in you know, the 401k or it's been rolled over to an IRA, the r- rule is there is a minimum annual required distribution. Again, you don't want to fall short on it because there are penalties. But you need, in this case, to take something out every year. And unless you're a spouse, that's going to be starting with the year after death. You've got to start drawing that down. But it will be in relatively small amounts. And uh, the mathematics in it is is nothing more than fifth grade division. Uh, maybe they do the division in earlier years, but to me it was in fifth grade. Um, you do that by looking at the life expectancy that you're given by the IRS on the table and dividing it into the, the account balance. And if you think about it, when you do that, you know if your life expectancy is 30 uh, in the year after the participant died and there's, you know, $100,000 in the account, then you're taking out one thirtieth of $100,000 that year. The next year it becomes 129th, 128th, 127th. Mm-hmm. That is, the, again, that's the old stretch coming into play. Spouses get to use recalculated numbers so they, it, the stretch is even longer. They can also wait until the participant would have attained age 72 for April 1st of the year following 72. Uh, so they have more flexibility, but those are some of the old rules that would have applied and, and still apply and still allow those eligible designated beneficiaries to stretch the payouts. Okay. All right. Well, I know I've always heard you never want to name your estate as the beneficiary of your qualified plan. Does that still make, you know, is that still true after the SECURE Act? Yes, still true. What that's pointing out is that um, these old rules are still there. So if you're not an eligible designated beneficiary, and if you're not, and you can't do the stretch, and if you're not a designated beneficiary who's now using the 10-year rule, then you're into that first category of no designated beneficiary, meaning the participant had not named someone to be the designated beneficiary, or they had named a non-individual like, in your example, the estate. So an estate is not a designated beneficiary, much less an eligible designated beneficiary, meaning it has to be paid out under the the old five-year rule if the participant was not yet 72, and if it's a year after you attain age 72, then that old rule was it had to be at least as rapidly based on the deceased participant's remaining life expectancy. Some people are now calling that the ghost life beneficiary because it's the deceased person's remaining life expectancy. Uh, That's the old rule. It's still there. It generally will mean a rapid payout 
uh, of those benefits and you know more tax, more income tax uh, to the estate or to the beneficiaries. So you probably still don't want to use the estate. Um, and there are other types of beneficiaries or situations where you're going to be deemed not to have a designated beneficiary. Uh, A common example is if you have multiple beneficiaries and one of them is not an individual. Again, there's a concern that uh, under the old rule, that would say there's no designated beneficiaries, so no stretch opportunity. You'd be in the five-year rule or the ghost rule uh, in that situation. So, yep, the old rule is still there. You still want to think carefully about having a designated beneficiary and maybe even an eligible designated beneficiary. I know many of our clients use trusts as the beneficiary of their retirement benefits or their IRA. Does the SECURE Act change that planning? Uh, again, what a great question, Mike, and have you got all <laughs> afternoon? Um, that yeah. that raises so many questions. The, the short answer is yes, people will uh, continue to use trusts. Um, people, you know, if they have used the trust, there probably was a good reason for it. A lot of good reasons why people use trusts in, in addition to the old um you know, transfer tax planning, A, B, trust, marital deduction. Um, those are still out there and still very important. But there are lots of other reasons, as you know, why people use trust to protect uh, individuals from maybe themselves uh, or creditors or to provide for management or to provide for special needs situations, uh, disabilities, lots of good reasons. Um, and those many times will outweigh any of the income tax planning that, you know, basically we're talking about here with a stretch plan, which is just trying to maximize tax deferred accumulation and income tax planning. But it might be more important to use the trust, to put that in place uh, to pr- provide these protections or these terms for particular beneficiaries. Now, uh, there is one situation that we're calling out for people, in specifically in light of the SECURE Act, because of what it does to the payout rules with these retirement plans or IRAs, it might really change the intended uh, outcome of some some people's estate plans. So if they put a trust in place, for the purpose of, let's say you have a, a beneficiary, a child who uh, has certain challenges um, and is, you know, cannot manage his or her own money for whatever reason, and you wanted to use the stretch IRA to say, I, I don't want them to be able to take that entire IRA out in one year if they survive me, but I like the idea of having it go to them a little bit each year for their whole life. Uh, And I don't want them, again, to be able to pull it down. I want to force them to take it out in those smaller increments. Well, you might have set up the trust in a way what's called a conduit trust and said to the trustee, flow all those required distributions out to my son or daughter with this challenge. 
um, and, and take care of them with the required distribution. But and, and, and you've done that by requiring the, that distribution to go out, and that's called a conduit trust. Um, but, but the trustee can manage the balance of that, invest the balance of it, and not provide access, maybe except in extreme circumstances, for those beneficiaries. If that was your plan, then this new law has now disrupted things because it says to the trustee, you must pay out all that money in 10 years. Uh, just because that's the, the not an eligible uh, designated beneficiary. If you're talking about an adult child, the 10-year rule will apply. The conduit provision will push it out in 10 years. If that's the case, you know that's someone who wants to come in, certainly, uh, and take a look at that plan, decide maybe it should no longer be a conduit. Maybe the trustee needs to pull down those retirement dollars and invest them, and then you know the trust will have to pay some more income tax. There, there are higher rates for trusts than individuals, uh, or at least they're, they're, they pay the higher rates sooner. Uh, not always a great outcome, but again, it might be one that's more important than letting all that uh, wealth get out in 10 years to someone who's not ready to handle it. So that's a situation you might review, particularly to repeat, if you've got a conduit arrangement and a child that you're trying to protect or whatever beneficiary it might be who you don't want to get the, the money within 10 years, take a look at that, modify the trust or, or you know, revisit your plan. Yeah, it sounds like certainly anybody who knows that they have a trust named as a beneficiary of a retirement plan, it certainly wouldn't hurt to get back and have your advisor review with that, that their, their intentions are still going to be uh, what that, you know, what occurs given the, the new changes in this. Uh, because certainly a lot of clients may not be able to realize just by looking at their own trust as to whether or not it's an accumulation or a conduit trust and, and how this will affect. So I think that's a, probably right. a, a good tip for most folks. Um, other, you know, so that really now the stretch opportunity seems to be fairly limited. Are there other options or opportunities for clients that they should be thinking about with regard to, you know, their beneficiaries and, and, uh, the, their retirement accounts? Yeah, I, it's still early, um, you know, and we're doing the planning now with people in light of this new law. Um, but a couple things are emerging. We expect that there'll be more interest in Roth conversions. Uh, now that's been around for some time and a lot of clients have taken advantage of it. That still is an important analysis. Uh, we're, we're not here to talk about all of those variables, but you, you know, it is possible to convert uh, IRAs, even, you know, regardless of your current income level, to convert those IRAs into Roth IRAs. It requires paying a lot of income tax, uh, but then you've got a tax-free IRA uh, going forward. What might be attractive about it now in light of SECURE is there are no required distributions from a Roth IRA during life. So if you do it now and, you know, during your own retirement, which goes 10, 20, 30 years, there's no depletion of that account necessarily for required distributions. 
uh, as opposed to the traditional IRA, which is going to be required to make distributions. And then when your uh, beneficiaries inherit that, even if they're facing the 10-year rule, uh, again, there's for 10 years, there's not an annual requirement. You could get 10 more years of tax-free buildup in that Roth IRA. So we think Roth IRAs might come even more to the fore. Another idea, uh, which is getting a lot of chatter, uh, and we've done them before, but again, they might have a new interest, is a charitable remainder trusts. Um, because what they, again, there are a lot of rules, but let's use a simple case. You can set up a charitable remainder trust to pay your named beneficiary an amount of income for 20 years um, and fund that with the IRA. So if you had an IRA paid into a charitable remainder trust for a child, uh, you could say and pay out uh, 5%, 6% of that fund to the child each year for the next 20 years. That might be a nice substitute for the stretch IRA. Not going to be the same thing, but it might be a very interesting and viable alternative. Of course, it is a charitable remainder trust, and the remainder after that 20-year period is going to go to charity. Um, that may be exactly what you want, and you may already have a plan that involves charitable remainders or gifts to charity. So it's it's worth looking at. We think even some people who are just really interested in the stretch might say, you know, yeah, I'm I'm a little charitable, so let's look at that. I'll put in a charitable remainder. It's got to be at least 10% on an actuarial basis, present value, uh, that goes to charity at the end. But that, um, you know, might make it interesting for people looking at the stretch. Uh, and there'll be there'll be more to come, more more ideas and alternatives uh, for people who have been thinking about the stretch and now they're rethinking their plan. Well, it doesn't sound like the Secure Act has uh, simplified planning for a retirement distribution during life, uh, or even you know certainly not to beneficiaries. Uh, I think you'd agree. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know about you, Mike, but um, we've both been doing this for a while. I've never seen a tax law simplify the tax code. Yeah. Um, it, it, I don't know if it's possible. But what they did was they put these new rules on top of all the rules that were already out there, as I said. So um, in a way, that's good because people do know the old rules, and a lot of that's in place. So it's not completely a new system for people to learn, but they have added these new rules. So that adds more complexity. And what we're finding is that um, by adding those new rules, there's no single rule of thumb that says, well, gee, you know, every married couple who's retiring around age 65 are going to want to do this. Uh, or every individual person who doesn't have children will do this. Uh, every case will be different, then you've just got to look at them and look at the priorities and the objectives and then fit the rules in. Um, so it's, uh, you know, it hasn't made it easier. It's still possible to do some good planning uh, with these benefits. These are still great assets for retirement. Um, you know, the, the, the budget, the U.S. Treasury budget, by the way, 
uh, earmarks like $240 billion a year as a tax incentive that goes into these retirement programs. So, and, and cumulatively, there are literally trillions of dollars in pension plans, profit sharing plans, 401ks and IRAs. It's a huge reserve of wealth. And there's a reason for it um, because of all these tax incentives. So this planning is going to be a part of probably every estate. You know, it's going to be the rare estate that won't have some significant amount of retirement money. And so you need to take a look at it, apply these rules, look at the new change in the shortening of the stretch IRA rules and see how that you know, might impact you. Well, Mike, what about existing stretch IRAs? How are they affected by the SECURE Act? Uh, the good news here, Mike, is that uh, the more generous old rules will continue to apply uh, to stretch those existing IRAs. So if you inherited an IRA or any other plan benefit uh, from a participant or an IRA owner who died before January 1, 2020, then you get to continue to use that period. Um, it's in, say you inherited an IRA from your mother in 2019 and you were age 60, uh, you'd have 25.2 uh, years of life expectancy to stretch those payments over. So uh, you get to continue doing that um, much better than the 10-year the rule, which would otherwise apply post-2019 to an adult child. Um, now, uh, there is a hook, uh, which is when you die uh, subsequently, say you die in year 10, when there's 15 more years of deferral, uh, under the SECURE Act, the 10-year rule comes in at that point. So even though you get to use the uh, existing rules, the old rules, uh, as for a, dece a 2019 or earlier decedent, um, when that beneficiary dies, when you die, my example, the 10-year rule applies to whoever is your beneficiary. So there is an end there. Now, in fact, that same rule applies even under the current rules, uh, under the SECURE Act. So if you are an eligible designated beneficiary um, and you're using your life expectancy, so you get to continue the stretch because you are one of those exceptions. Uh, upon your death, again, it's clear that the 10-year rule would apply to whoever is going to take that those funds uh, following your death. Possibly you've named a beneficiary um, but that's not a designated beneficiary. They can't continue on your same life expectancy. So that's uh, where the SECURE Act makes a change. The 10-year rule applies at the death of an eligible designated beneficiary. There is um, another idea that's been kicking around because of this transition period. Uh, and it's a little technical, but it's worth throwing out there. Um, if you were, if you have inherited an IRA or other benefit from someone who died in 2019, let's say you are a surviving spouse, it was from your spouse, 
and you're very old or you're not in good health, there might be different circumstances where you say, I don't really need those dollars. Um, there's a technique where you can disclaim uh, the account. And if you do it and you follow the rules and you do it timely, then you're deemed to have died before the account owner back in 2019, and the account then would pass to whoever was the contingent beneficiary. So if those, for example, were your adult children, your husband and wife and the husband died, a wife disclaims is deemed to predecease the husband by law, it passes to the children. Well, now the thinking is they are in a position to utilize the old stretch rules because they're deemed to have survived back in 2019. Just an idea that uh, some people might consider to sort of get a second bite at the old rules in terms of stretching. Uh, but there are some requirements there, so you need to check um, there, there are tax law rules for how to do disclaimers. In many cases, you might need to look at the state law as well to make sure you've got an effective disclaimer. Um, in many cases, for example, it's going to have to happen within nine months of that first death, uh, and you cannot have taken any of the funds in the meantime. So you do need to, to look quickly at that opportunity if it's there. Well, Mike, I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. It's been a pleasure, Mike. Thank you. We could talk all day on these topics, and uh, I expect we'll do some more at some point. Absolutely, and I'm sure our listeners will have more questions, so I encourage all of you to go to our website, mcdonaldhopkins.com, uh, and certainly any of the members of our Trust and Estates group can assist you with questions you have about how the SECURE Act now will affect your estate planning. Again, thanks for listening, and uh, thank you, Mike. Have a good day. Thanks, Mike.